So one of the things that comes along with being a pastor is you get asked to pray at random things. Here's some examples. I've been asked to pray at a second graders basketball game. That's very specific. Like second graders playing basketball, not third, not first, second grade basketball game. I've been asked to pray at more funeral meals or wedding receptions than I can count. Even if you're not invited, they still want you to pray for like the wedding reception. You know, but I think the weirdest for me is I was once asked to pray for a family reunion that wasn't my family. I didn't really know very many people at this family reunion. Like, kind of awkward. And here's how that happens. They come up and they say, hey, Adam, you're a pastor, right? Yeah. Would you be willing to pray for this event? Would I be willing? Like, to pray? Like, what am I going to say? Like, I don't believe in it? No. Like, of course, yeah, I'll pray for your family reunion. Who are you? You know, I don't know. I don't know what they were doing. Like they're in the park and they're like, there's a pastor, get him. Like, I don't really know how it came about, but so, you know, pray, pray for that. But here's kind of what got really weird. They're like, because you're a professional prayer, right? Yeah. That makes me uncomfortable. Like a professional at praying. I've never felt like that. I don't feel like I'm very good at it. I mean, I've never not once in my life, you know, at home, uh, on a platform, in my office, anywhere, prayed a prayer and then been like, amen, crushed it. I've never felt like that. You know, that you do a little touchdown dance at the end of it because you just feel so good about it. I've never felt like that at a prayer. I, I feel more like a prayer failure than a prayer warrior, you know. Like, I just don't feel like I'm very good at it. I get distracted. It's hard. It's a discipline in, in our entire lives that we have to grow in prayer. And I, I mean, I don't know if I want to be called an all-star prayer or whatever. No, I don't feel like I'm very good at it. So I was thinking, okay, how can I get better? Maybe if there was a point system, you know, for praying, like I knew how I was doing, you know, so like plus five points if you actually get everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. I mean, I have little kids at home, super hard. I, that's, those are hard-earned five points. You know, like plus 20 points if you slip in a scripture reference you know, or something like that. You know, plus 100 points if somebody says, yes, Lord, or hallelujah, in the middle of it. I don't get many of those, but that would be pretty awesome. You know, uh, plus 1,000 points if it's a short prayer before dinner, because, you know, we've got stuff to do. You know, plus 10,000 if it's a short prayer at the end of a message on Sunday morning. I can see it in your eyes. I understand. I understand. I get it. You're already going, is he done yet? I mean, I, I need some, some help in, in getting better. So I also thought, okay, maybe the point system won't work. What if I transcribed all the prayers over a period of time, like for a week or for a month, wrote down every single word that I prayed? And we could just see what we learned from that. What would you learn if you looked at like a month's worth of prayers? Well, I was thinking about that. Here are some things I think that I would learn. I'd learn that I, I regularly pray before meals. You know, dear God, please help this triple bacon cheeseburger nourish my body because you can do miracles. You know, that type of prayer, you know. Pray for my food. I pray for safety for people, you know, people in my family, you know, my, uh, my kids, my wife, Abby, you pray for people who are struggling that I know. You pray for my friends and family. Uh, I, I pray sometimes for uh, traveling mercies. Have you ever heard of that? Heard that a lot growing up. I didn't know what it meant. Like, I always thought like traveling mercy was like, you know, you're just driving down the street and somebody's at a four-way stop and you're like, mercy to you, you may go. Like, that's not what it is. I think it's safety when you're traveling, but still, traveling mercies, I pray for that sometimes. Um, 
Pray for, you know, my relationship with God, my relationship with my wife, Abby, and our marriage. Pray for our kids. Pray for all of you in the church. You know, pray for our, our staff and our elders. I pray for, you know, what people are going through. I pray for the vision of our church to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. And people who don't know Jesus are passionate about that. Pray about that all the time. But I have to be honest with you, if I actually looked at every word that I prayed, the reality is I pray a lot about me. You know, a lot about what I want, what I think I need. You know, I pray about, you know, people in my life, my struggles. It's kind of focused on me. And very rarely do I pray what I would consider a dangerous prayer. You know, like a prayer saying, God, take me out of my comfort zone. A prayer of surrender or availability or vulnerability or humility. Now we're in this series right now called Dangerous Prayers. That's what we're talking about. These prayers that we can pray, prayers like, not my will, but yours be done, God. Prayers like, break me. Prayers like, search my heart. Prayers like, send me. That prayer of availability. I mean, Jerry talked about send me last week. Did a great job. You can check it out if you haven't checked it out. It was challenging to me to go, how can we pray these dangerous prayers? And today's no different. We're talking about a three-word dangerous prayer. Here it is. Make me bold that doesn't sound so scary, right? On a scale of one to 10, how bold are you? You know, you're on the one side, you're like, I don't even want to talk about it. You know, or 10 that you're like, you're, you're having to hold back from standing up and going, I am incredibly bold. You know, which, which side are you on? Do you know anybody who's, who's pretty bold, like on the bold side of, of things? I do. My wife, Abby, is incredibly bold. I actually admire that about her like, it's just incredible how bold she can be. Here's something that I learned after I got married, um, that we could go to a restaurant and that you could, if they get your meal wrong, send it back. I didn't know that. I would never do that. I mean, she's just like kindly, nicely, hey, can you take care of this? I'm like, oh, okay, that's awesome. Wow. But in my life, they'd, they'd come, they'd bring me the Brussels sprouts, and I'd be like, I, I ordered steak calm down. I'd like tweet about it or whatever. You know, I'd complain about it. I'd never go back to the restaurant. But when the server comes up, they're like, how's your meal? I'd be like, it's fine. You know, I, I, it's incredibly bold. There are a lot of ways that we can be bold in our life. But what about things of faith? You know, things that matter to God. Are you bold about those? On a scale of one to 10, where are you at? You know, do you step up even when it's uncomfortable? How bold are you? Make me bold. Now we're talking about um, a story in the book of Acts. Now, Acts is in the second half of the Bible, the New Testament, talking in Acts 4. And it's a story about Peter and John. They're followers of Jesus. And that's what the book of Acts is about. It's the actions of the followers of Jesus. And we're going to talk about the story of an opportunity that Peter and John had to be incredibly bold and to pray a prayer of boldness. So here's, here's kind of the setup. Peter, John, eyewitnesses to Jesus and his ministry. They're preaching, I mean, loud and proud about the death but resurrection of Jesus, that he rose from the dead. I mean, they're praying, they're ministering, they're making things happen. Miracles are happening in Jesus' name. And they heal this guy who hasn't been able to walk for, catch this, 40 years years. Can you imagine being disabled in that way and then being able to walk after 40 years? 
So the religious leaders of the day, Pharisees and Sadducees, they thought John and Peter were actually leaders of a cult. So these religious leaders didn't really listen to what they had to say. They just put them in prison, and then the next day they put them on trial. And Peter and John are surrounded by the very people who killed Jesus. And the religious leaders look at them and they say, by what authority are you doing these miracles? And Peter responds in such a crystal clear way. I just love it. I just love it. This is Acts 4.10. That's what he says. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that the 40-year cripple was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Here's the bold part. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. I mean, if he had a mic, he would have dropped it. You know, Peter would be like, you, boom, you know? I mean, Peter's saying, look, you killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And saying you killed him, that's incredibly bold. But God raised him from the dead, that's an even more bold statement, and here's why. There were people in that room, the Sadducees, that they didn't believe it was even possible to raise somebody from the dead. Like, they thought it was nonsense. That it, was, it wasn't even in the realm of possibility. No such thing. And so Peter's not only saying, hey, you did this in a trial, no less, in front of the people who killed Jesus, but he's saying, you could not be more wrong. Can you imagine? That's like a declaration of war. I bet people listening were like, oh! You know, they, they post about it on Facebook the next day. I mean, this is incredibly bold of Peter. So what happened? How'd they respond? So the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. I mean, imagine being a Sadducee, you know? There's this guy that you walked by, well, I mean, a hundred times. I mean, for 40 years he couldn't walk. Yesterday he couldn't walk, but today he can walk. And you're trying to trap the people who claim to have done it, and you threaten them, you intimidate them, and then you ask by what authority, and Peter drops the mic. And these guys in front of you, they don't seem that special. They're ordinary. You know what this means literally? Idiotes. Idiots. They said, these guys are idiots. They're, they're ordinary. They don't know what they're talking about. How in the world is this true? But here's the thing. But the guy's walking around. They can't deny that. So they go, okay, all right, here's what we're going to do. We can't explain the miracle. And these idiots seem to know a lot about Jesus and are claiming that he rose from the dead. And they're really bold in saying so. So much so that they're amazed. Are people amazed by your boldness? So what do the religious leaders do? I mean, they threaten. They get nasty. They say, Peter, John, don't you dare ever preach about Jesus again, or we'll take you out. That's the first thing I think we can learn about boldness. This is why it's dangerous. Boldness reveals opposition. If you 
pray this prayer and you say, make me bold, God, someone will rise up against you. Have you ever been in a situation where you were bold or you've seen someone be bold and you immediately regretted it? So I was on a hiring team when I was uh, in management at Kroger and we were, we were interviewing for another management position. And so this guy was out of town and he came in, we're in Indianapolis and he just could not stop talking about the New England Patriots. Like Bill Belichick and his winning culture and Tom Brady and la la la, right? And one of the other management guys was like, hey, you know we're in Indianapolis, right? And he goes, I don't care, you know, go Pat Nation, like we're great. And we didn't hire the guy. I mean, he was bold, but how often are you willing to be bold knowing that it could lose you something? Do you want to be more bold in your life? Pray the prayer. But it's a dangerous prayer because if we pray it, God will give us opportunities to be bold. And if we are bold, opposition will come. And I talk a big talk, but I don't always want to follow through with that, you know? And if you're Peter and John, you're in there on trial and you're being given death threats. And what'd you do? Do you run? Do you regret being bold? Do you hide? Do you argue? Do you try to debate your way out of it? Do you avoid them? Do you talk in whispers about Jesus instead of preach boldly about him? Well, Peter and John did maybe what we might do too. They prayed. I mean, when confronted with this huge threat, they immediately turned to God. So the religious leaders, you know, they arrest them, they threaten them, then they let them go because they don't have anything to hold them on. And Peter and John went to the other followers of Jesus and they right away start to pray. So opposition comes with boldness, yes, but here's the second thing. Boldness also requires faith. I mean, Peter and John prayed because they thought that God can and will do something about what's going on. I mean, do you pray like that? that you believe God can and will do something about what's going on in your life? This is how they started their prayer. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. And we read that and we go, oh, that seems like lofty language, but it's not. Really what they're saying is, you created everything, God. You're big enough to handle this. That's a faith-filled prayer. You're over everything. You created everything. You know everything. That's often not how I pray. You know, I didn't pray for food, you know, the safety of those around them. They could have, they didn't though. They didn't pray for their health, for their comfort. They prayed a bold prayer about who God is. And oftentimes, you know, prayer tends to be our last option. It's not the first thing we turn to. You know, it's like the all, when all is lost option. And I sometimes get apologetic, you know, like, God, if you have time, if you hear me, you know, come on. Help me out maybe if you, if you could. I'm challenged by the way that they said this. No, they start the prayer with God. You can handle it. You created everything. One of our values here at the Ridge is we're faith-filled, big-thinking, all-in risk-takers. I love that. That's challenging to me. Here's how we describe it. We refuse to insult God with small thinking and safe living because we serve a God who calls us to dream big and live out of our comfort zone. This isn't how I pray all the time. You know, I don't, I don't pray like I'm going to insult God because it's too small. I don't pray like I want Him to actually pull me and take me out of the comfort zone. This is a dangerous prayer. Make me bold. 
And that's how they start the prayer. God, you're over everything. You can handle it. This is motivating to me. Even in the midst of the most difficult thing, you know, a prayer in the midst of a death threat, they say, make me bold. That's how they start. How do they end it? Here's how they end the prayer. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That's a faith-filled prayer, man. Imagine praying this about your family or your community or your church or your country. Give us, your servants, great boldness. They didn't pray for safety. They prayed for boldness. I I think this prayer does something. Not because of what we can do, but because of who God is and what He can do. And we need faith that He can do something about what's going on in our world. Yes, opposition comes. And yes, we need faith. But here's a third thing I think that we can learn about boldness. Boldness releases God's power. So recap, you know, Peter and John, they got arrested. They're put on trial, threatened with death. They get released, and then they pray. And they pray a bold prayer. And one of the reasons I love the Bible is because we can see how things turned out. Actually, tomorrow in the Ridge Reading Challenge, kind of as we read through the Bible, this is what we're reading. We're reading this story, this prayer. This is how it turned out. This is the releasing of God's power. Here's what happens. This is Acts 4, 31. So after the prayer, they say amen. After the prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the Word of God with boldness. When's the last time a prayer of yours caused an earthquake? Like never, right? At least for me, never. You know, what if we did that today? You know, we said, amen, and it's like... That's power. And it's, it's not... It doesn't happen before they pray. It's after they pray, and they are given everything they need to be bold. you catch that? So not only is there an earthquake, but they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they did what they needed to do. God gave them not just an earthquake, but also the power to be bold. Listen, boldness isn't about your personality. I know we want it to be a little bit. It's not about being an introvert or an extrovert. It's not about getting up on stage and being comfortable in front of people. It's not about, you know, being comfortable or uncomfortable even. No, boldness is about God. We can be bold because of who God is and what he's done. And we pray, make me bold because he wants us to. He wants to answer it. He wants to shake up our world and our families and our lives. It's a dangerous and important prayer, make me bold. And I believe that if you pray it, God will give you an opportunity and ability both to be bold. So, why would we pray this prayer? Because it releases God's power. It's the best way to follow Him. Right in His will. This kind of sums up some of these other prayers that we're praying. Not my will. Make me bold, God. So today, how, how is God calling you to be bold? He is. How's he doing it? I mean, really, take a moment, think about it.
In your life right now, how is God calling you to be bold? Here's kind of a quick way to think about it. Where is he asking you to step up, step out? Or what's he asking you to step into? Are you avoiding something? I mean, not like cleaning out the garage. You know, are you avoiding a difficult decision or a difficult conversation in your life? He's asking you to step up. Say, yes, I'm going to do it. Make me bold, God. Maybe he's prompting you to actually talk to somebody about what you believe, about your faith. That you say, yeah, I believe it. I go. I want people to see it. Maybe I post something on Facebook every once in a while, and that's great. But he's actually saying, no, step up. Invite the person to church. Talk to them about what's going on in your life. Maybe God's prompting you to take a stand on something. You know, step up when the office is gossiping and you go, no, we're not going to do that. Step up and stand up against that racist remark. And you go, no, I'm not going to stand by, even if it's super uncomfortable. I'm going to say that's not okay. I care about what God cares about. And he loves people. Maybe boldly step up when somebody's being bullied, being harassed, and I'm not going to stand for it. Maybe God's prompting you to step up in a countercultural decision, you know, outside of the context of faith. And, and you go, oh, 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 I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want people to know. But I really believe that I should save myself, you know, to have sex in marriage or something like that. And you go, like, I don't want to be bold about that. I'll do it privately or struggle with it privately. But he's saying, no, babe, make us bold, God. Step up. And maybe God's prompting you to, hey, make that bold decision to give your time, your money to something that isn't about you, that's not going to make you more comfortable or make you happier. He's saying, step up, step out, step into. How is God asking you to be bold today? Because he is. So right now, here's your opportunity. We're actually going to pray the prayer right now. So if you've got the courage, if you're brave enough, you bow your head, close your eyes, take a deep breath. Repeat this after me. God, how are you calling me to be bold? Where do you want me to step up? God, I believe you're with me. God, make me bold. He'll answer you. Amen. It won't be easy. I mean, boldness reveals opposition. It's going to be rough, actually. But God is with us, and boldness requires our faith. And if we're willing, if we're willing to step up, Boldness releases God's power. You ready to shake things up? Pray this prayer. How is God asking you in your life today, tomorrow, to be bold? I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and this is hard. It's hard. It's, it's a concept that we go on, on the surface. Yeah, I'll be bold, but when we get into having to sacrifice something or having to take a chance or being in a situation that's out of our comfort zone. I need help. I need, I need your help, God. So give us that help, you know, not just to apply it today, not just to think about it for an hour on Sunday morning, but, but also to apply it to our lives this week. Give us an opportunity to be bold and remind us right in the minute or the second of that opportunity to step up and to care about what you care about and to speak up in a way or to live in a way that honors you with our boldness. Give us that. And I thank you for the way that you boldly love us and that you sent Jesus on the cross to die 
for us and our sins that He raised from the dead so much so that people could not even believe it. Thank you for that. And thank you for the fact that that happening allows us to be bold in a way that we never would on our own. Help us be bold. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and because of the cross. Amen.